there it is. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Hey, are you listening in your car? Are you stuck in traffic? We're going to be right there with you, man. We're going to help you out with 90 minutes of gaming goodness. Are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you using this to power you through a run or a workout? We're there with you, too, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, and that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Pond5 and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you DLC, of course, the show all about gaming and its many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who wanted, wants to take Peter Dinklish's Emmy and give it to Nolan North, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, um... Jeff, how are you? I'm, you know, it's it's uh, been a day of um, tech issues, which I feel like is uh, is the best. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of voiceover artists, uh, the, if you're listening to this downloaded, I hope you're having a wonderful, clear, perfect experience listening to our show. Uh, if you're listening to us live, you are experiencing something awful and terrible, and I apologize. Skype evidently is having massive problems this morning. We're starting a half an hour late because of that. And uh, my voice uh, of the three of us evidently has been altered by Skype. Uh, we can't figure out how to make it better, but it, in post we will fix it. So I uh, I apologize to everyone uh, for that. Um, in the meantime, I- my ears will continue to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but uh, well, we'll get past that. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Uh, Tokyo Game Show happened this week. We got a bunch of games we've all been playing, and we have a great guest. DLC is always your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, I can't help myself. Uh, forgive me for this one, but DLC stands for Danny's Lucky Charms. Because oh, we man. have straight into it, straight into the <laughs> Irish reference. Proud Irishman, <laughs> gamer, commenter. You know him from The Point and The Lobby on GameSpot and so much more. One of my favorite voices in gaming, Mr. Danny O'Dwyer. Welcome, Danny. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff and Christian. Uh, one of my favorite voices in games is your Cylon chewing on typewriters, which I'm looking <laughs> forward to listening to for the next 90 minutes. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so sorry. And all the uh, all the downloadable listeners are like, what are you guys even talking about? Um, well, this will be an interesting experience. Uh, guys, <laughs> let's get right to it. I'm so glad to have Danny here, man. He's awesome. His shows are awesome. You should be watching them. Uh, but let's get to uh, the beginning of our show which is Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Danny, as our guest, you get first pick, but people can submit stories using our hashtag DLCSOTW or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Awesome stories submitted this week by at Heart of a Gamer, uh, at Pin Gun, and others. Danny, what is your pick for Story of the Week? I'm going to go with at Pin Guns. Konami stops all AAA production except for Pro Ev, because uh, I spent the weekend playing, uh, I guess, Konami's last Metal Gear game and apparently not their last Pro Evolution soccer game. Yeah, you know, here we go. We have uh, Metal Gear Solid Five getting tens from places, being heralded. 
Uh, you know, we on this show have said it's one of the best games ever made, in my opinion. Um, people lauding it all over the place, and Konami's like, yeah, we don't want to make any more of those. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good. Um, what do you make of this, Danny? They're not going to make any more AAA console games? It's crazy. Obviously, Konami is like a company that, you know, the, the Japanese companies diversify a lot more than we do here in the West. So Konami is a company that has all these health clubs and they've got their Pajinko business. And uh, I guess the sort of the worrying aspect of this for me is that they're doing really well in the mobile game space. And it's, all, it's almost like, you know, remember years ago when like mobile games are getting big and hardcore gamers are like, oh, it's going to like kill regular games. Like, this is probably the one case where you could say, yeah, maybe, maybe Konami's mobile business or, you know, the prospect of making lots of money via mobile games was just so tantalizing that they've decided to, you know, step away from the very like risky world of AAA development. You know, obviously it sold, it was it 3 million units and, and it still hasn't broken even um, because Kojima likes to spend a lot of cash on people like Kiefer Sutherland, I guess. Uh, and the, the only reason I think they're keeping Pez is that Pez has been a pretty like solid investment with them over the years. Really popular in Asia, really popular in uh, mainland Europe. So I guess it's just not it, it's it's less risky than uh, Metal Gear Solid is, and and perhaps any other you know uh, franchises that they might think of rebooting. So yeah, it's it's, it's sad because it's like a company that's been around for a long time, uh, but it's also kind of a little bit worrying because you think hmm maybe. If our, you know, our other company is going to follow suit. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot to the reality of what it's like to make AAA games now, how expensive they've gotten and how much a company can go under. We've seen so many companies, uh, big companies uh, from our childhood have problems, go under, have to restructure, have to do different kinds of things. Uh, Christian, what's your take on this? I think it's a it's a shock worthy headline. And I remember when I read it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. But the more I've, I've sat and thought about it, I, I think the less significant it is just in the sense that, you know, Metal Gear, losing Metal Gear is sad. But what has Konami really been cranking out in the past 10 years in terms of big AAA games that have wowed the world? And I don't think that there are many. Maybe it's a, a blind spot in my memory. And I think Pez makes sense for them to continue because you're not taking it down to concept every time, right? Like Metal Gear 5 is such a different game than 4, and 4 was such a bigger game than 3. And Pez, they're not going, what's the plot of this game? Who are the voice actors? What's the talent? You know, it's we we have a pitch. We have mocap. <laughs> we have an engine that works. Like this is This is the game. And I think it is sad to see a company that you grew up loving you know, uh, in your childhood for those of us older gamers. But at the same time, I don't think it speaks a death knell to gaming because you still have big, awesome games coming out. They're just coming from um, a boss key, like Cliff Blazinski's new game is free to play, but still a beautiful, what would have 10 years ago been a $60 full release game. You know, um, big, cool games are still being made. We're just seeing the landscape shift a little bit, just like it did when things went from cartridges to discs and we had cutscenes where people bemoaning, oh no, no more uh, platformers are gone. Now we have cutscene game. I don't know. I just think it's an evolution of the hobby and it's not necessarily a bad thing unless um, you work for Konami. <laughs> but that's been a bad thing for years now, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, maybe that, you know, maybe some people will have some more satisfying jobs off the back of this. Um, obviously, all those crazy stories came out about worker, uh, the facilities at, at Konami. That seemed all pretty crazy. The one thing, though, I do worry about, Christian, is like, you're totally right. Like, 
the shifting evolution of games when we you see like something like Sega. Remember when Sega like pulled out a hardware and suddenly it was like, oh my god, that's it! Like we're never going to see Sonic again. We're never going to see like all of these franchises. And you know, it, they found a way to get out there. You know, they ex- existed as a software company. But the one thing I worry about Konami is that they do have a bunch of franchises that you know people might like to see return. Like you know, talk about Castlevania and. They own this little Contra. I don't think anyone's going to yeah. worry about like DDR or anything like that. But like, but you know, Bomberman. Like, I'm just wondering, like, Silent Hill. Do you, yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that they'll like pull out of the software properly and then sell all these IPs or license them out, or are they just going to exist in some sort of horrible limbo for the next ten years? Well, the the direct quote from uh, Konami president Hideki uh, Kaya excuse me, Hayakawa, he said poorly. Uh, His direct quote (laughs) is, our aim is to continue to build up a comprehensive portfolio of console, arcade, and card game titles for each IP. So I don't think they have any intention of letting those known properties go to waste. They're just going to be, you know, little little mobile games and little arcade ports and stuff like that. So I don't don't know about, I don't know how happy I am about that, but, you know. (laughs) That's the way it's going to be. That's just the, yeah. the, I think it's an economic reality, as you were saying. Yeah, it's sad. It's, you know, we, we see, keep seeing all these headlines, but, you know, Tomb Raider sells X amount, but didn't really, you know, do that much. Or like, what was it? The, the Alien Isolation, when that came out and folks were, you know, it sold a bunch for Sega, but apparently it wasn't enough. Like the re- economic right. realities of AAA development are crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe, are people buying less games? Apparently it seems that that's the case. Um, and maybe it's just not worth it for a company like Konami to take these big five-year risks uh, all the time. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see uh, we'll see the inevitable Kickstarter in a few years of, for you know <laughs> the next throwback to their old franchises. Um, yeah, si- Silent Scope. <laughs> there you go. There Bring you go. it back <laughs> uh, with with the uh, weird controller with the peripheral. That uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, you 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 teased too so well there, Jeff, with um, uh, Star Fox, which I know is near and dear to your cover. That, but in terms of AAA games or mainstream games being hard and being delayed and coming to Kickstarter, Shenmue Three, it's back, baby. Just when you thought it had the most <laughs> successful Kickstarter of all time, and and you're finally going to see this game. Uh, the game has released an update onto their campaign page. And they've decided to give those who are, quote, unable to contribute before the previous deadline another opportunity to do so. You know, those people slacker backers, slacker backers who weren't able to contribute to the Kickstarter when it was raking in millions of dollars and somehow want to give their money away at this point now, even though the game has been is happening and before the game comes out. I don't think this is slacker backers. I think these are crazy, crazy people. No offense to you <laughs> if you're giving in this in this range, but like I get the initial excitement. You want to back to get the game made and get all this big funding behind it so it becomes a story and it's going to be this thing and it realizes all these goals. And then and now there's the people now who I guess just have have money to burn or throw around. I know they've added additional um uh, uh stretch goals. Oh, stretch goals. Thank you. Stretch goals and perks and things that you can get into by by adding more money now, like an eleven million dollar range and a physical, I just don't understand the people giving now and why they don't wait for the game to come out. Danny, am I just the the cynic under the bridge on this? Or well, Danny, Danny t- has has an amazing episode of the point on this very topic. I think one of the most cogent analyses of Shenmue Three in particular and the whole Kickstarter 
phenomenon in general. I, I loved that episode, Danny. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to hear what you think about this. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one to put together. And we talked to Geo Corsi over at Sony about their sort of um, uh, angle on all this on, on bringing it to light. I, I like in one way, I feel like the least uh, uh, qualified person to talk about this because when they announced it, I was like, oh my God. And I, I ran to my PC and I like, I dumped, I think like 40 bucks on it. I've like, I don't think I've, I've played maybe an hour of Shenmue one and didn't play the second one. And even I got caught up in like, the fervor of the moment. I, I think the Shenmue thing is is like absolutely crazy because it's almost like if we look at ten years into the future, like you're saying about Ko- Kojima bringing out like a, a Metal Gear Kickstarter or something like that. It's kind of the same thing because this is a franchise that spent millions, like what was it sixty five million at the time by um, quite a margin, the most expensive video game ever developed, um, which didn't really. You know, it was on a platform that not many people had access to, and it didn't really sell that many units. But there's just this desire for, I guess, nostalgia is one aspect of it. But there's there's like an underdog mentality that I think is very much part of Kickstarter. I think people like to see games returning because of nostalgia, and I also think there's this there's this thing where with Shenmue specifically, uh, Shenmue Three would never have been made if it wasn't for Kickstarter, and even people who sort of never really played the games. The story of Shenmue, the story of this like crazy, you know, ex- uh, like bleeding edge game, which tried to make open world games before there were open world games and, and tried to make these like crazy dynamic storylines that reacted to what you were doing. It was kind of like a, like it's a love letter to gaming. And the fact that it failed, in, you could say, because, you know, we haven't seen a game in a decade, um, People knew that without this Kickstarter, we never would have seen Shenmue again. And people like to keep dreams alive. So I think, like, you're completely right, Christian. I don't really know who's left to put money on Shenmue because the reaction and the people who invested in it, I'm sure a lot of them are people who love the franchise. Like, absolutely, the Dreamcast, you know, it sold sold enough. And the, ex, you know, the first Xbox, obviously, Shenmue 2 is out on. But I think a lot of it is people who just wanted to be part of this story because it's a story we've been following as game enthusiasts for a decade, regardless of the fact of if you've played these games. You know, if you go to video game websites, you've heard about the struggles of Shenmue. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what the slacker-backer thing is about. I guess it's not going to hurt them because it's just like a little tip jar for people to be like, yeah, I guess I didn't pre-order Shenmue 3, but I'm I'm right with you, Christian. I I don't really understand why you do that now and not just wait, you know, until 2024 when Shenmue 3 actually comes out. Come come (laughs) here, come here, kids. Gather around Grandpa's grandpa's circle here. Uh, Back in the day... When the Earth still had buildings and climate control and water, there was a game. I contributed to Shenmue 3. Oh, God, Grandpa's gone crazy. No, no, you listen. I missed my first opportunity. But thank God that Kickstarter gave me. I don't know why he has like a weird southern accent all of a sudden. That's the act- it's the accent of the future. <laughs> like, have, you ever, have you ever ridden on top of one of those mechanical box holders? What are they called again? Those... Forklifts? Yeah, forklifts. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I'll tell you a game where you could ride a forklift for 50 hours. I don't know. It's weird. What, what do you think? Jeff, did you drop money on us? Did either of you? I did not. I did not. And here's the funny thing. I, I did not contribute to Shenmue, and I played and completed both Shenmue games fervently. <laughs> I, my girlfriend got really, at the time, my girlfriend got really into Shenmue. We played through the first one twice and played through the wow. second one. Uh, I I think more than I would guess more than eighty percent of the people that actually gave money to Shenmue 
I've played more Shenmu than those people. <laughs> and and I, one of the things I loved most about your piece on the point was how honest you were about the fact that you, you just wanted to be a part of this thing. And, and the reference you made also to a book that you said was the first thing you ever donated to on Kickstarter, where you're like, I, I haven't even read it. Mm. I just wanted to support <laughs> it. And I think, you know, Christian, you know, you're, as a stand-up comic, I think you probably know that a lot of times someone in the audience will laugh at a reference that a comic will make, not because it's funny, but because they want to acknowledge that they got the reference, right? And I think that that's the phenomenon happening here a lot. It's like, you know, th- some of those videos that you showed in your piece too, Danny, uh, of people like it live streaming the Sony press conference when they announced Shenmue 3 and like losing their minds about Shenmue 3. Yeah. I bet it's just like this weird getting caught up in this thing they've heard about and wanting to signify that they are in the in-group that remembers old video games and is a true gamer and all that garbage that people get caught up in. I think that this, you know, we've seen a little bit of Star Citizen getting a bit of a backlash from people who are like, well, now that it's this massive success, now we want to top it from its pedestal and undermine it. I think you're going to see the same thing with Shenmue. I think when Shenmue finally comes out, I think people are going to be pretty disappointed with it. I don't want that to be true, but I kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit with this one. I kind of feel it, like we're already seeing that with KJ Inafune and Mighty Number no. 9. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because for, for anyone who's actually gotten it, like it's already been delayed again, but anyone who's gotten a hold of that and you, you put that up against the concept art they had on their Kickstarter page and it's night and day. So like, that's another game that wouldn't have been created without this, what you're speaking to, this, this sort of, this nostalgia for something that, that you remember and you just want to like be brought back to life. You don't want the dream to die. Uh, and I, yeah, I, there are some people obviously who will do it with all the best of intentions, but you know, you have to leave room for the idea that maybe there are some folks who are going to do it because it's their last paycheck and maybe they won't put in the, the effort that they, they sort of, they should for their fans. Yeah. I, I agree I mean, with everything you said, Jeff, but I think it's, it's a little bigger than that in the sense that, you know, there's a great article. I forget where it was. Um, I'll try to see if I can find it and I'll tweet it out. But it was the rise of referential comedy going to the, you know, as a comic where people just say a reference and it gets a laugh. And then your analogy to the way people reacted at the Sony press conference for Shenmue 3's announcement. It's like those things happen, but I don't think it's premeditated maybe in the way that you were implying. I don't think you're in an audience and, you know, comics on stage and says, and then I was like, Rogue Leader 1, don't do that. And people in the audience are like, Rogue Leader 1, that's Star Wars. Star Wars is cool. Ha 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 ha. Like, you know, happening quickly. <laughs> I think as a society and for whatever and, and for uh, game enthusiasts and stuff like that, we've been conditioned over a long period of time to have a real honest to God visceral reaction to these things. Like the laugh is genuine, but it's because you've spent so much time in this world of I would wear a Wolverine t-shirt to elementary school and get picked on, and then one person across the room would see it, and I knew that we were going to be best friends for life, because we had this <laughs> bond. And now that bond is the you know second movie of all time, and wherever Avengers currently is, or whatever, and I think for Shenmue 3, it's been this thing that's been talked about so much, and the idea of, you know, these great games are going to come back, and dude, you missed out on the Dreamcast, it was one of the most wild, most inventive systems ever, and like, there's this thing that now as a gamer when it happens, it's like this real thing and you're like, the Beatles or whatever. And it's a real (laughs) freak out. And then it's not until you take time to digest it. Like we're doing with star citizen. You're like, Oh, what is a, uh, 
cool, I guess. <laughs> and we enter this cool off period. <laughs> yeah. I literally had that experience on Friday because I booted up the Unreal Tournament pre-alpha and I'm like a huge UT fan. And like I jump in and it's like facing worlds is right there. Like massive fan service, the most famous map on that thing. And I was freaking out. I was playing it for like an hour, freaking out. And then after about an hour, I was like, yeah, I, like it's basically Unreal Tournament 99. I could have just gone back and played that maybe. It just looks a bit better. So yeah. Yeah, there's like this gland somewhere in our brains that these things just rub and it makes me throw money at, at, at projects and obviously a lot more people. I literally just got a text message now saying that my Streets of Rage 2 vinyl just arrived at the office. Like, I don't <laughs> oh, even know I why the fuck I, I, don't know, I, I don't know why I, I bought that. I almost did. I was so close. It's a beautiful <laughs> know, right? cover. It's, I know. I'll, I'll listen to it once and then it'll go back on the shelf. <laughs> That's kind of the magical thing about Kickstarter. Uh, I do that too. I kickstart things like board games and stuff, and then it'll be like a year and a half, and it'll show up at my door, and I go, oh, yeah, I I paid money for this. This is kind of a fun little surprise, <laughs> fun little gift that arrives out of nowhere. Um, but I think maybe the lesson that publishers should learn from all this is let stuff go away for a while. I'm talking to you, <laughs> Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty. <laughs> like, maybe just, maybe just go away for a while, and then people will be so excited when you come back. I don't know. Um, so my story of the week this week, I tweeted about it. I think this is a massive, gigantic story, uh, and that is the delay of Star Fox Zero into 2016. I I can't believe it. I, I know that there are a few people that predicted it. I would have put a large amount of money on it not happening just because Nintendo doesn't have anything else this holiday. Mario Maker just came out, is is for all accounts a huge success, and people are loving it, and deservedly so, but... That certainly didn't hit in the traditional holiday window of games, and they have this system that is underselling, and they need some juice for that system. They, You'd think they need a big title to tentpole their holiday season just in general for sales, and Star Fox Zero was going to be that and is now being pushed into 2016. My take on this is the giant cojones on Nintendo, and Miyamoto in particular, I, as, as unpredicted as this was from my perspective, as I thought impossible, I also feel like I have to give them massive props for doing it. Like, what company would take a look at the only game they have coming out, the only way for them to make extra money this holiday season and go, eh, it's not quite good enough. I'm going to push it into next year. I, I think whatever state that game is in now, most companies would just put it out and make whatever money they're going to make, but not Nintendo and not Miyamoto. And I think that is to be lauded and to be admired. Uh, Danny, what's your, what's your feeling on this? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that, that of all the years to push something, because this is like, wow, we came out 2012. So this is holiday number three for them, which generally, if you're talking about the sort of, you know, Nintendo consoles, have always been a little bit different and if this is like the you know third horse in the race then this would be the year people would get it is you get that bump up where people have like had a console maybe they didn't buy it the first year maybe the second year and then they've got a couple of extra quid this holiday season and then oh i'll buy a new console which one will i buy i'll pick up the weird nintendo one so they always saw like a sort of a boost around this time it's the same thing for handhelds as well around here so yeah you're totally right it's 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 They've had a problem with getting those big temple games on their console since day one. Obviously, now it's got a really healthy library of games. I love playing my Wii U. Uh, Mario Maker is fantastic. Uh, and there's like a good, you know, 
I'd say like a dozen really solid first party games there uh, sprinkled in with a couple of uh, wonderful third parties like Bayonetta um, and, and so on. Uh, but like I, I worry if they've, fo- if they've sort of phoned in on the Wii U a bit now. Uh, are they looking towards the NX as, you know, the future? Is this sort of like, you know, they could release Star Fox, but it's not going to really sell that much to, it's not going to get many people buying their new console perhaps so they're just saying oh we'll just put it out in january when there's less people buying other games and at least we'll get like a certain amount of sales off the folks who are like really big wii u fans uh, uh, it's kind of between this and and the zelda stuff i'm wondering are they realigning a lot of their goals and just sort of going to double down on on the success of whatever the nx is like will we see it next year and so on uh, but yeah it's, it's a pain i think for somebody who owns a wii u and for somebody who was looking forward to playing more wii u games this holiday it's kind of takes the wind out of your sails because there's literally like daylight between now and January, between Mario Maker and January, there's nothing really to get too excited about coming out on that platform. Yeah. Uh, Christian, I think this is, you know, something you've been talking about with Nintendo for a long time. I, th- I see it as a weirdly positive thing in, in their commitment to quality. Um, but I, I suspect you will feel that it's a bad business decision in a long line of those. It's it's hard to say if it's a bad business decision. I mean, it's a uniquely repeated Nintendo business decision that I think over the long run is hurting their console um, reputation. And, you know, I think some of the best games made are games. And after Mario Maker came out, I was just thinking like Mario Maker proves yet again Nintendo makes some of the best games that happen to be on some of the worst consoles. And it's it's so frustrating because Mario Maker, you know, does utilize the tablet in a way that, um, you know, maybe couldn't be possible on another console. But I, I think they could have found a way to make that game for a PS4 or Xbox One style console that would have been just as fun and would have got the same reviews and praise. Star Fox being delayed, I, I don't know what they're delaying it for. Four, unless it's a huge delay because you and I Jeff played that game at E3 I played it again at PAX um, because there was no line for it and it is it's very mediocre and and very just yeah. humdrum Star Fox and I don't I don't if they can just put polish on this um on this pig I, I hate to say that just because of what's going around in the news today um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man black mirror every day is another I, day. rice oh my it's, god <laughs> How it's, how was that show so prescient? Anyway, it, yeah. <laughs> All I know is that the the rice kernel behind my ear is acting up today too, but it's totally unrelated. Um, <laughs> the grain, I guess. I, I I just don't know how they can put. You know, polish is one thing, and Nintendo's great at polish. I I don't think Star Fox is in need of polish. I think Star Fox is in need of um, the last show I'm that got network notes from <laughs> Ben and I were trying to sell. It needs a rebreak, and it's frustrating to hear. But I mean, this game isn't. Um, it's not there yet, and I, I hope that's what they're doing. Jeff, though, I feel like you've cooled on this, because when I saw your tweet come out after the announcement, um, I think there's going to be much more rage coming from you. I feel like you've uh, given it some time. You've forgiven Richard Sherman for the handshake. Like, this is uh, a <laughs> no, four-day we'll later, Jeff Kanata. Not, what was the initial, what was your initial <laughs> gut reaction to this? Well, my the, my initial tweet was that, that it was showing some balls. I, I thought that I thought that that was showing a lot of moxie from their part and, and, and to say, I'm, cause you're right. You and I played it there. I'm sure Danny pl- has played it. 
I did was not impressed with Star Fox Zero at all. In fact, I I was really underwhelmed by it. And I said so on the show, and, and I think a lot of people had that reaction. But it would have sold. It would have sold pretty well. And I don't know how much more time in the oven is going to add to sales. Maybe if it comes out and gets great reviews now, more people will buy it. So maybe that is good. But I just love the fact that they look at looked with such clear eyes at their own product and go, yeah, it's substandard. It's not the Nintendo level of quality. And they were willing to do what it takes to take the hit and make it, I hope, make it better. I hope it comes out is, and it's a lot better. Is it great or is it a problem that it took them until they had released it, shown demos, given it a release date, and then realized it was a problem? Like, imagine if they did this back when they were developing the game or they didn't announce Zelda Wii U because at what point were the bean counters over there going, yeah, this is going to come out for the Wii U. No, come on, stop it. Like, I feel like that's the problem. The problem isn't they take a long time to make a great game. The problem with Nintendo seems to be they take a long time to make a great game, but yet they don't know they don't have a great game until a month, I'm exaggerating, before a mediocre game was supposed to come out. Like, I don't I don't get that. Well, that's the glass, glass half empty version. Uh, You're welcome. Say, <laughs> yeah, there may be another aspect. <laughs> there may be another aspect to this as well, and that uh, it's been de- developed by Platinum. So obviously, they've worked with Platinum on a bunch of stuff like, uh, I guess, Bayonetta to uh, Wonderful right. One One as well. And I don't think any of those games had significant delays. I know Bayonetta sort of drifted a little bit. Uh, so yeah, you know, like maybe there's a an aspect of it there like i'm totally with you guys on the terms of packs like they had a bunch of stations for it at packs it really seemed like they were trying to get it out in people's hands uh but there wasn't that big lines and and there was a lot of boots so maybe maybe they're not happy with where this game's at and they're giving platinum another swing at it perhaps you know that's something i guess we'll probably unfortunately never find out and and you know this conspiracy theory version is that this and Zelda are all going to show up on that next console. Um, I don't think that's the case with this particular title. I, I'll buy it maybe with Zelda, but um, I I do think this is a Wii U game. Uh, it certainly seems to be built around that controller for good or ill, in my opinion, ill. But um, you know, I, I hope it's a lot better. I hope it this delay really adds to the quality of the game. I think it could be a positive thing. Um, some more stuff we haven't even started talking about uh, Tokyo Game Show, so we'll get to that in a second. But I do need to thank our sponsor, which is a relatively new sponsor, Pond5, P-O-N-D and the number five. Uh, and if you're producing any kind of online content, there's no better creative resource than Pond5. From video clips and motion graphics templates to music and sound effects, it is a one-stop shop for all the media that you might need to create creative productions. And it also is easier on your budget. Plus, Pond5 supports its global community of artists with some of the highest payouts in the industry, meaning you'll always find the highest quality and most diverse content. Plus, Pond5 provides a royalty-free license that lets you use your media whenever and wherever you need it. It's fast and affordable, and even more so because we're going to give you 25% off. We got a we got a, a DLC DLC for you. All you got to do is go to Pond5.com, P-O-N-D, the number 5.com, Enter the promo code DLC at checkout, and you'll get 25% off. That's pretty cool. One-stop shop. You can get music. You can get sound effects. You can get video content, images, all the stuff you might need to create something, and we're going to give you 25% off. So check it out, pond5.com slash DLC. Or excuse me. No, just go to pond5.com and use the promo code DLC at checkout, and you get yourself that 25% off. Thanks to Pond5 for supporting DLC. I hope you check them out for any royalty-free media you might need. 
Uh, okay, guys, there's a few uh, TGS stories. You know, T- uh, Tokyo Game Show used to be probably the number two show in the world, and it certainly is not that anymore. It is uh, it is much more uh, s- much smaller in comparison to Gamescom and other other places now. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't announcements. Sony had a big press conference. Um, a big contender for my story of the week was this news that Project Morpheus is no longer Project Morpheus. It is now PlayStation VR, the official name. I think uh, much less exciting than Project Morpheus. I think Project Morpheus was a much much cooler name. But uh, at least it you know it tells you what it is. It's PlayStation VR, and um, this news that from um, CEO Andrew House saying that PlayStation VR is going to be priced like a platform. Rut row. Uh, we're talking four hundred <laughs> bucks, guys. What do you think, Danny? Is that are we dead in the water before we've even started at at like a four hundred dollar price point? No, I don't want to buy a version of virtual reality that doesn't cost four hundred dollars because then I'm just sticking a piece of cardboard on my head and it's not the mm-hmm. same thing. I love the Morpheus. Uh, I used it at GDC a bunch this year and was uh, very impressed by it. I, I think it's not necessarily in the same range as what's happening with the with the Oculus, especially with the touch stuff. I did that touch demo at E3, and that completely blew me away. Or sorry, yeah. Gamescom. Um, but I think it has to cost this much money. Like, it, you know, what's going to happen? Like it's either going to come out at like 200 bucks, or it's going to come out at like the 300 plus range. And if it's going to be in there, like 350, like 400 maybe, like fine. As long as it's got the software and the experiences to back it up, it's going to be in an investment uh, that's worthwhile. And that's the same thing. Like it's almost the same thing we talk about with the Wii U, it's like if that if there was the software was there, people would put down four hundred dollars. And I think if the Morpheus is clever and they have a lot of like small experiences, you know, sort of indie experiences and like you know low cost software along with this, I think that's going to take a lot of the the sort of sting out of dropping a lot of cash on it. So it's going to be interesting to see when they actually show off what you know if there's going to be a ps4 bundle are they going to do one with some like interesting software demos uh, i think that they've got a little bit of work to do there but I'm, I'm on the face of it i'm fine with 400 bucks i think that's that's what this is going to have to be it's bleeding edge technology you know yeah i I'm, I'm kind of in that boat as well um and i hope that that means that there's actual processing power in the headset itself uh to sort of take some of the load off the ps4 so you can get some of those ps4 quality games in vr because uh, you know, for VR, you have to have double the pro- uh, double the rendering because you're rendering mm. two screens at once, one for each eye. Um, Christian, we're getting uh, dead or alive volleyball in VR. Is that <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> they also announced that at TGS. It's going to have. Can some I be VR the ball? I want to be the ball in that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be it's, it's the, the ball. It's the killer app. Finally. The- <laughs> The, the killer app this year. I do think TGS did it to, I'll get back to PlayStation VR. Uh, I think TGS did a really good job of, of still being a pretty um, play to your local audience show. People are like, oh, it's kind of a disappointment. More and more of these shows are so globalized, right, where we can watch the live stream too here in the West. But I think it's hard to say if it was a disappointment or not unless you are a Japanese gamer. Um, it seemed like people were getting pretty hyped for some stuff. And I think the shown by the fact that we weren't necessarily getting as hyped, maybe means they did a good job of playing to their audience. Um, you know, uh, Gravity Days, um, Yakuza, Dead or Alive, like things that maybe some some of those types are like, oh, lol. But um, anyway, I like... Are you not excited because, about Gravity Rush? I thought you would no, be I thrilled am, about Gravity Rush too. I am very excited. And I think the 
I hope people pick up the PS4 remaster. That game was wildly inventive for what it was doing in terms of action platforming. Really, 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 really fun game. The PlayStation VR, uh, for years, PlayStation has needed to hire Mark from marketing. They make some of the best video game tech, I think, around, and even TVs, and they make really great electronics oftentimes, and they just don't know what to do with them when they make them, and they don't know how to message them. PlayStation 3 is like, you'll get a second job to afford this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, eat crap, uh, people. Um, the Vita, it has all these features. What do you do with them? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, PlayStation VR, you better save up, jerks. Um, I mean, they're honest and unfiltered like that's what it's going to be of course it has to be that it's expensive it's it's bleeding edge tech but the way they announce it is just they don't know how to do it well whereas microsoft i think oftentimes announces their consoles really really smartly like oftentimes eye rolling and, and lull inducing but like you know when they first unveiled the xbox one they had this huge extravagant event and they were showing off tv features but dang if it wasn't cool and slick and well done uh, that first Xbox, they rented what an eighteen wheeler and drove it down the street, and like Bill Gates rode on top of it. Like, <laughs> we need someone to 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 marry the middle of like uh, quality hardware with these flashy announcements in today's today's culture. Because the way Sony was just like, yeah, it's going to be expensive, and the name is very boring. Buy it. <laughs> it just doesn't do it. Well, um, in the in the chat room, A7 says, um, let a crazy person like Jeff buy all of them and use nine-tenths of them as a paperweight and doorstop. Um, you know what? I will I will take that hit for you, everybody. I'm, I'm definitely going to get all of them because I'm such a sucker for VR. I'm so excited about VR. Uh, I've had such fun with Morpheus um, so far, and I think that the experiences that they've shown on Morpheus make me excited for what is in store. I mean, just... Uh, what is it? Super Hypercube? Did you play that, Danny? At any of the places they were showing that? No, I haven't. I haven't seen uh, Super Hypercube. Which one is that? Uh, that's the crazy 3D Tetris game where you're you're staring down uh, uh, this in hole that's coming towards you. This platform that has a hole cut into it, and you have to fit this shape in through the hole without busting it on the sides. And so you have to rotate it in 3D space as the hole is coming at you and and the way you do that, the way you know which direction to rotate it is you physically lean your head around and look at the sides of this thing as this wall is coming at you. It's, it's simple and awesome. And I, and I think that's the kind of thing that is going to hook people into VR quickly and easily. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for all of these platforms. I, I'm going to be very poor when I invest in all of them, but I hope, (laughs) I hope they aren't all paperweights and doorstops it cre- um, you guys are totally right as well this but what christian was saying was like definitely speaks to i think uh, like there's this sort of reticence to really dive in with you to like say when is it coming out and like when it how much is it going to cost and what are we going to have it's like all the companies who are involved in this space are so nervous about the i guess ruining this opportunity because this is really the time where you know virtual reality is we're kind of we're going to have it in a couple of years but they still understand that you know, when Palmer Lucky goes on the front cover of Time and looks like a doofus, like everyone's really yeah. nervous about the fact that, oh, have we taken a step back in public perception? So I think I think Sony, uh, so Christian was saying is right, is that Sony are probably being the most nervous of everyone. And I think they need to have more confidence in their product so that everyone else can have confidence in their product when it comes out. 
Uh, Christian, you're absolutely right that um, Tokyo Game Show was definitely aimed at the Eastern market. Uh, and a lot of a lot of the game announcements and demos that were shown were squarely aimed there, and probably some of them won't even be released here uh, in the in the West. But uh, I'm wondering what you guys think are you know from the other stuff that happened at TGS. If there are any other highlights, like we mentioned already, Gravity Rush Two and Gravity Rush Remastered are is a big highlight for me because uh, I really thought the first Gravity Rush on the Vita was excellent and really underappreciated because of the platform it was released on. The Gravity Rush 2 video that they showed it looks really cool. Um, we also saw an announcement of Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final <laughs> Chapter Prologue, which whoever was, whoever had that name in the pool, congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we saw this long, long-delayed game, Neo, uh, which is um, going to be from... Team Ninja and is basically Team Ninja's take on Dark Souls, which looks really cool and supposedly based on uh, Kira Kurosawa's uh, unfinished script. This is a game that was supposed to come out on PS3 years and years ago. Uh, so that is happening. It's kind of cool. Looks neat. Uh, any any favorites from the stuff that we saw, uh, Danny? I saw. Well, Christian spoke kind of spoke to it earlier. The sort of the regional aspect, and I know whenever. We go to Gamescom, they're always like, yo, and there, here's the Xbox One in a pack with FIFA, you know, which is like a right. very European ass thing to say. Uh, and of course, what PlayStation did at TGS was announced there was a price cut for the, uh, for the PS4 in Japan, uh, like something somewhere in the, you know, 40, 50 bucks range. Um, and then they also announced the new, uh, uh, sort of, I guess, as customizable PS4 faceplates and the controllers. Uh, and that mm. sort of stuff is like cool to show regionally, but man, I want that see-through controller, like N64 style thing, to reach North America, so I can spend <laughs> yeah. stu- stupid amounts of money on a third controller I'll never use. <laughs> Do you think that that is a uh, a prediction of of a price cut for PS4 globally? Do you think we'll see that in, announced in the next month or so? I think we'll probably see one in 2016, but I think that this specific announcement was very much to do with the Japanese marketplace, where they're you know they're they're, they're selling PlayStation. They're starting selling out more PS4s than Microsoft are selling Xbox Ones in Japan, but it's generally that market is to have it's squeezed a little bit. People are playing a lot more mobile games, um, be it on their phone or on a handheld gaming device. So I think they're specifically catering towards the Japanese audience who not only will appreciate a price cut, but I think customizability and color. You know, whenever you've seen a, a 3DS new color launched in Japan, the you know the I think they did one this days the ipad once on the line around for the, the block for the 3ds well you know there was a couple of people waiting outside an apple store for the ipad so i think it's a very much a catering to the japanese audience but yeah yeah i think you're probably right i think next year we're going to see uh you know little bits of uh, dollars being shaved off those consoles as they sort of drift on a bit christian how about you do you have any uh other tgs highlights um, Gravity Rush, Gravity Days. I'm, I'm curious if it changes. Is is definitely the big one for me in terms of I'm glad that that IP isn't dead. We saw you know the inclusion of the character in um, PlayStation Battle All Stars, whatever that game's name was. Um, and I, I think if they keep pushing that forward, I think she is a a really cool protagonist. And I'm I I hope that people pick it up on PS4 if they haven't. I'm assuming it's a competent port, <laughs> which you know. All signed so far. It looks nice. It looks like they did a good job with it. And then the sequel coming. Um, it's hard for me to get super interested in a lot of the other things that I haven't played or gone into just because 
um, like Neo, like you mentioned, it seems cool, but I haven't been following this as like, this is the game I need to exist kind of thing. So for me, right. the biggest thing has to be Gravity Rush for sure. Cool. Uh, well, uh, let's move on then into uh, our playlist. Ooh, you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, you playing this week? Tell us on the playlist. Danny, what have you been playing this week? What's on your playlist? Oh, dude. So I had a bunch of friends over the like past two weekends. So I didn't have like any time to sit my lazy ass down in front of the television and escape into Afghanistan. So I basically spent most <laughs> of this week uh, running around in a, in a cardboard box in Metal Gear Solid 5, the Phantom Pain. Uh, we are we love that game. Tell me why you love that game. Uh, it's it's pretty special, no? Yeah, it's it's almost like the least Metal Gear Solid Metal Gear Solid game. I was a big fan of, uh, I guess, like base invasion games on PC, like stuff like Delta Force and, and Project IGI and all those games nobody remembers anymore. Like Rainbow Six, I guess, as well. To a certain extent, Rogue Spear. Uh, and I think it's tickling that same that same itch or scratching that same itch. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying, like the story stuff is, is, is pretty downbeat and I'm not really that interested in the main story at the moment. What I'm kind of mostly doing is, is enjoying the like emergent sandbox aspect of uh, uh, doing these various missions, especially the fact they have, have all these, I guess, optional, uh, not side missions, but optional sub goals, I guess, within each mission. So I've been doing a lot of doing a level and sort of intentionally messing it up a little bit and then going, okay, like uh, how else can I do this? And going back and trying it again, you know, trying to get an S rank, sort of trying different gameplay ideas. Like there, I did one last night where I had to kill uh, a bunch of heavy infantry dudes. So they're just guys running around with big guns and they've got big pads on them. It's just a regular side up. Uh, and yeah, I have to like kill them all or, you know, they're, they're pretty skillful. So you could probably fault in them and they'll be good for your base. But I decided to uh, give myself a goal and say, all right, I'm not going to fire a shot. I'm going to try and kill all these people without firing one bullet. Like, how can I do this? Uh, And the method by which I did it was uh, I took those decoys, the like this, you know, big big boss inflatable decoys that you throw on the ground and then they sort of like inflate. uh, And I knocked all these guys out by basically like throwing them in front of them and... (laughs) inflating the balloons and knocking them out and then full them in <laughs> before they woke up so like amazing it's just that type of game where it's a, it encourages you to explore the you know the the various ways it's like it's it's a really satisfying thing i think when you have an idea and you're like hmm i wonder if this will work and then it does like the game allows you to do it that way i think that's incredibly powerful not many games do it but phantom pain does it incredibly well I completely agree. Uh, again, another another great episode of the point that you did on on emerging gameplay. Yeah, um, somebody was telling me about uh, they were having troubles with this bear fighting this bear, and so they eventually <laughs> just decided to call in a, a vehicle drop, and it landed on top of the bear and took out the bear. They're like it just that kind of. I mean, I know that uh, that you spend a lot of time in a cardboard box in this game, so forgive the pun, but. This game, you are constantly thinking outside the box, and that's and it rewards that, right? It it rewards that kind of trying something, experimenting with something, uh, which is you know, which is why I often it, it frustrates me that there isn't uh, more save options, just because uh, you mm. know I feel like 
I would love to try try something, go back to a point, try something different, go back to a point, try something different, uh, rather than you know kind of rely on the, the checkpointing system. Although somebody in the in our uh, subreddit was telling me that if you adjust the brightness settings, it creates a checkpoint, so you can like futz with the game and ah. and, and create your own checkpointing system. So uh, that's kind of cool. That's clever, uh, Christian. Yeah. Christian, you've been playing more of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's this game. It, it's I love it so much, but I do think Jeff, it's fallen into um, maybe where it is for you. Um, for me, right now, I know you talked about before you love it so much, but um, it's weird when I have time to play a game. I'm like, man, I love Metal Gear so much, and then I sit down to play a game, and I'm like, and now I'm playing Disney Infinity, <laughs> or like, <laughs> man, what Metal Gear does is incredible, and now I'm playing Rocket League. Like, I find myself wanting to take that game out on the best date ever, you know, like get awesome steaks and then we're going to go to the theater and it's going to be this whole experience and it's, and it's going to be me in this game and I'm going to really dive in and, and even replay some levels to tweak some things and change my loadout and make sure that I'm building my base the right way. And then I find myself being, I just want to play quickly. I just want to get into something and play. I only have 30 minutes to play a game. I'll just fire up one game of Rocket League and then cut to two and a half hours later where I'm still playing right. Rocket League. It's like this desire to treat the game with such respect that I find myself playing it less than I think about it, if that makes yeah, sense. That's that's like basically the same thing happened to me. It was like I, I had like hours free in the past fortnight, but I needed to have for some stupid reason I needed to have this like, you know, eight hour gulf that I could like sit down and 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 make sure, okay, this is the prescribed time I'm going to play Metal Gear Solid. It's like the same reason I haven't completed The Witcher 3 yet, because you need to like have a weekend to even think about taking that beast on again. I totally agree with you guys. I totally agree. And and it's the same phenomenon with, with that Christian's talking about, is I go, well, I only need 20 minutes to play Heroes of the Storm, so I'll sit down and do that. And then I'll play six matches in a row. It's like, <laughs> I'm such a hypocrite. And the the other thing that I relate to uh, on this one is you're, you're speaking of something that I just kind of came to this week as well, Christian, which is, so when I was a kid and my, like, I wanted something from my parents and I, you know, begged them for it. Like, let's go out for ice cream. Let's go out for ice cream, whatever, whatever. They finally were like, okay, let's go out for ice cream. So I knew we were going to go out for ice cream. I would avoid them. For until we went out for ice cream because I didn't want to do anything or say anything that would mess it up, right? I just I have this weird quirk in me that's like, okay, once I got everything how I want it, I don't want to let's let's just let it be. And I kind of feel like that's how I am with Metal Gear Solid. Is like after I've done a good mission, I just I turn off the game. I don't want to I don't want to go on. I just I'm happy with that feeling. I don't want to mess it up. And when I think about playing it more, I go, yeah, but things could go terribly wrong. I kind of I'll just go play Heroes of the Storm. It'll be fine. And I, and I don't like that about myself and I don't like it about this game, but it makes it, it, it creates an impediment to me just sitting down and playing that I don't have with other games. And I don't like that that's there. I want to experience it, but I feel like I'm having a hard time getting into that place where I can just sit down and enjoy it for a short period of time. It does feel like this game that deserves more attention like that. Yeah. Well, I think part of it too is our, you know, ADD society where TV shows tout their second screen experience where it's like, watch sitcom tonight on network and be sure to tune into our second screen experience while you're watching the show because apparently the show itself can't retain our attention. So there's some other app designed to go with the show that we're also doing while we're also on Twitter. Like for me, it's almost I expect interruptions, be it my kids, be it a, a phone call, 
uh, an email I need to get back to, a last minute show. Someone's like, hey, someone dropped out. Can you come you know, into Hollywood and do this show tonight? And so I, I expect all of these things. So I, I put away the things that require actual intention, uh, intention, actual attention. And I just sit there and play Rocket League or Disney Infinity where I, I like the game. But if I'm in the middle of one of the longest missions, but something comes up and I have to stop, I don't care because I'm playing it the way I eat potato chips. You know, I'm just shoveling it in my face. Whereas Metal Gear really <laughs> is this fine wine where I'm like, mm, yeah. I smell inflatable dummies, some some cardboard boxes. Um, a little, and I know it, a little it's my bouquet problem. of passed out Merc. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, do I do I finally have someone to talk to about my recent Disney Infinity addiction? Christian, are you also stuck playing this? I I, I love it and I know it's not the best game ever, but I I really do love it, yeah. It's the most low risk like gaming experience of my life. It's like the op- the complete antithesis to playing Metal Gear Solid where it's like, oh man, I hope I do this level right. Like I'm only gonna experience this one, so I better relish it. Whereas like Disney Infinity is like la 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 do whatever you want. <laughs> totally. Totally. And the, and the best part is too, it has like just enough of satisfying combat that it doesn't feel like just mash, 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 mash. Like I'm like mash, 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 launch this guy into the air, force push, ground smash. Oh, cool. I did a combo. La da 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 da. Meanwhile, I'm <laughs> skipping through flowers. <laughs> I'm just like, look, I'm only playing the levels so I can bring stuff back to my weird Disney house and like buy <laughs> furniture. It's, I, yeah, it's weird. It's like a, it's like a palate cleanser for all of the murder I've been doing at all the other games. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, though, Disney Infinity for a kids game. Um, a lot of the guys that you dismember with your lightsaber, they are yeah. not robots. Like no. the last kill, it goes into slow motion, and you see a, a humanoid head go fly, like in a, yeah. you know an alien head just go flying in slow. No blood because it's a clean kill with the lightsaber. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're slicing I also- and dicing. Yeah, I also was like kind of taken aback the first time that happened. I was like, whoa, that guy's head came off. And also his arms, like like bloody mess style from Fallout, but they just took the blood out. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Teach him young. Teach him young. Um, <laughs> what else is on your playlist, Danny? Oh, man, I'm playing some weird games. I was playing a bunch of Rocket League uh, as well over the weekend because like all that happens is my girlfriend, she doesn't she didn't play games that often, but she comes home from work and she's like, can we, get, can we have a game of rocket cars just to like unwind? And then we end up like <laughs> doing 2v2 against people for like two hours. Um, but everything else I've been playing, I, I'm doing this weird stream on YouTube where I'm trying to complete Fallout 3 uh, naked and not using any guns. So I did a lot of that on the weekend. Yeah, but what is your on-screen character using? hey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the amount of disappointed people that want to watch an overweight Irish guy play a game topless. <laughs> Uh, and a- apart from that uh, it's it's football stuff Pro Evolution came out and as the designated European in the GameSpot San Francisco office I'm contractually obliged to play as much of that game as possible uh, and also I've been playing the other football game but sadly that's under embargo and I can't talk about it for another 11 and a half hours ah bummer so okay so you l- we'll just say this we can't talk about that one but um, as the designated European um <laughs> What is better, actual soccer games or Rocket League? Oh, man. Yeah. I did an episode of The Point about this as well, actually. I think right. Rocket League is the be- is the most, it's the most football, like, I'm oh, sorry, I'm going to have to say football as well for, the, for, for this conversation. It's the most football-like football game I think I've ever played because 
like as somebody who's played soccer or football my whole life um plays all these games like sensible soccer back in the day all the way to new pro and fifa like in those games you're controlling a team of people so it's most it's about like team management i i feel like in some games like nhl it's actually about you know controlling one person for most of the time or there's less people and it's about the finesse of the shot and to a certain degree, like uh, the you know Madden games are kind of you're playing mostly the quarterback and the wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like you're you're mm-hmm. focusing in on individual people. Whereas in FIFA, you're controlling like eleven dudes, or, or, or in the new FIFA, you're controlling eleven ladies as well, which is fantastic. Although I can't right. say if it's good or not in terms of gameplay for another eleven and a half hours. Um, <laughs> but Rocket League is Rocket League's like you're controlling uh, like your leg. You know, it's about right. where you hit the where you hit the ball and where you're positioning. Like positioning in Rocket League is. 50% of the game, like making sure you're in the right p- place on the field so that when the ball breaks, you've got an opportunity. So yeah, like I have had more fun playing Rocket League, like not only just as a game, but as a football game uh, than I have with FIFA for the past year. It's, it's like, you know, the, the fact that people who don't watch football are playing Rocket League speaks to just how like really good it captures that style of play. For sure, I I'm, like you. You I'm, guys love it, right? Like everyone loves it, right? It's game yeah. of the year, right? Let's just let's just say in there, it's game of the year. I think that's pretty crazy that that such a on the face of it simple game really is a legit contender for game of the year. I th- I think it certainly isn't like anything else out there and had carved its own niche and feels it, it feels obvious. It feels like why didn't somebody do this years ago? It, it seems so simple. Yeah, it's well, it's, they did it's do it years else. ago. Yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, you're right. Just in, it wasn't lightning in the bottle. It wasn't as slick of a package, and I feel like people have been trying to. Well, they have cracked the nut before. I mean, I've said it before on this show. It's it's the cousin of Blitz or NBA Jam or Sega yeah. Soccer Slam, which was woefully underrated. Even Mario Soccer. Um, oh, Strikers Charged is brilliant. What a it's game! So good. Yeah, it's it. But I think to some extent, because it had these characters and power ups, it it kept it from being the esport contender that rocket league can be where rocket league is is those soccer slam mario soccer those games distilled even more and i think removing humans from it and making it rc cars uh or in my head real cars um (laughs) makes it more relatable in a weird way and and makes it more enjoyable because you're not focused on i'm mario and so i'm the middle guy or I'm Bowser and I'm slow but heavy and they did a really good job of just stripping down to only the necessities. So yeah, it I I feel weird saying it, but I I do think it's gonna be my game of the year. Again, sorry Metal Gear. I love you. I own more of your toys and posters than any other game, but that Rocket League, son. I like uh, what I am a wizard says in the chat. He says it's the best way to get uninterested people into something. Add rockets. Rockets make everything better. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I particularly like that because you use the correct word uninterested instead of disinterested. Uh, all right. Um, Christian, how about you? Uh, you got stuff on your playlist there? Well, yeah, I need to talk about Plague Knight. The free DLC for Shovel Knight is now available uh, I'm continuing to play on 3DS. I believe it is available on your system of choice. And, you know, we harped on Kickstarter and kind of the nonsense that it can be earlier in the show. But Shovel Knight was a Kickstarted game. And Yacht Yacht Club games, I feel like they just keep delivering on their promises and, and doing so in, Jeff, what maybe could be considered a Nintendo style where, you know, Plague Knight, Plague Knight was, you know, later to come out, but they kept fans updated. and 
I love it. I love it so, so much. So what they've done is Plague Knight was a villain in the original Shovel Knight. Now he is your protagonist, your playable character. And it some new levels, but levels are also remixed because the way Plague Knight can move and jump around the world is different than before. Some of the boss battles have been tweaked. So it's this familiar yet different feeling where I don't think if you haven't played the game, I wouldn't recommend your first playthrough being with Plague Knight, but having, if you spent enough time with Shovel Knight and really enjoyed it, it's such a really cool way to make a game feel fresh and familiar at the same time where you're like, oh man, this is that same level. I know what my path is going to be, but wait a minute, I can just skip this entire platform, throw four bombs and then bomb jump up here and I'm done or vice versa. An easy level is now much harder the way you move. So Shovel Knight, you had your shovel that you could bounce on and pogo uh, Plague Knight uh, throws bombs and can bomb jump and has a built-in double jump. So his movement is just very different. Um, like I said, I don't know if this DLC will make you love the game. If you didn't before, I would argue it wouldn't. But um, if you haven't picked it up, the package just be- keeps becoming a better and better value. Uh, I think it's still 15 bucks. Pick it up, play a Shovel Knight first, in my opinion and then give Plague Knight a run. Danny, did you ever dive into the greatness that is Shovel Knight? Oh, man, I love Shovel Knight to pieces. I've been playing on PS4 and PS Vita, like just bouncing between the two of them. But I actually haven't played it in maybe like three or four months. So this is fantastic. I actually didn't know about this. Is this a free update or is it? It's it's 100% free DLC. update. Oh, yep. man. Free DLC, All right. full campaign. They tweak the story to make it make sense too. We're in a very fun, uh, fitting that series way where it's like, you know, e- evil was ruling the land uh, and the guy was going to stop it. But like before that, you know, when like evil was ruling the land, this guy was like, I can do something. And, I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's it's very smartly and tongue in cheek done. And the way that Plague Knight moves is um, it's a really, really fresh perspective on, you know, their old game. That's cool, because that's the first experience. I guess the vanilla experience of that game was so so enjoyable that you could just oh man you could, you could like i don't know it's just i feel like you could play it for months and months afterwards and it was still fun so that's cool all right i gotta go check that out uh, i have been playing some of soma which is the new game from the people that brought us amnesia dark descent so this is another scary survival horror uh, get freaked out try to survive you're underpowered you can't really fight back type of a situation uh, this time, the story is really interesting. In fact, I didn't really know anything about it before I started playing it, which I kind of like. And it's a bummer that just the premise itself gives away. There's a fun twist at the beginning because the game starts out in uh, present day, normal. You're just a dude. You're just a dude in your apartment and you've been having these weird headaches and you don't know what's going on with that. And you're off to see the doctor who is going to help you out with your headaches and you go into the doctor's office and some stuff is strange in his doctor's office, but it's okay. He's there. He's cool. He's being real nice about it. And you sit down and he puts this thing on your head. that's going to take some readings and it's just going to be like taking a picture of your brain. No big deal. And then you wake up and everything's different. Um, and uh, that moment was really cool. And then, of course, you're in this strange sci-fi environment and you're trying to survive and you're the last one there and you're trying to figure out and there's, you know, corpses and bodies and everything's insane. Um, people comparing it to Bioshock and, and games like that. But you're definitely not powerful like you are in Bioshock. You have really no way to fight back. You just have to avoid monsters and uh, try to survive and try to figure stuff out. And it's it's like puzzles and 
and uh, sneaking and trying to not get pummeled by the various creatures in the environment. Um, there's a lot to like about this game, but there's also a lot to be, uh, you know, not so much a fan of. It first of all, it's only thirty bucks, which is which is a nice lower price point, and, and it delivers, I think, enough interesting scares and uh, storytelling to make a thirty dollars purchase worthwhile. But overall, I don't think that I love the game. It's they do a great job of creating uh, atmosphere and real interesting scares. But in the context of how you actually play, which is a lot of picking things up and trying to figure out where stuff goes and finding puzzles and stuff, I'll go into a a new place and be freaked out and have the lights go out or whatever and hear strange noises and be, and I'm, oh my gosh, I have to crouch and worry about something being there. And then at a certain point I've explored that little area that I'm in and I can't figure out how to get out of it and I have to solve the puzzle. And now I'm just going backtracking and figuring, trying to look at all the things that I haven't looked at and what's clickable in this room. And now the tension that was established is completely gone because I'm just beating my head against this video game and going, what did I miss? What did I not click on correctly? Now I'm running from place to place knowing that there's nothing that's actually going to kill me in here. It was just some sound effects that created the mood and, uh, and then rinse, repeat, right? Get to the next area, get scared and feel like I'm really in it and then fall out of it again because... I have to figure out this puzzle. Um, do you, the do you think it's bad level design or puzzle design where like, or, or are you playing it badly? You know, is it, is it <laughs> maybe, Brian maybe stop sucking or is it, they're not giving you context clues to know what to do. Cause I feel like th- it, it, that sounds unfortunate. Cause they keep shooting themselves in the foot with what they're creating by having you yeah. not be able to get through it. <laughs> well, you know, if we're, since this episode, I've already, told a story about being a little kid and a weird personality quirk. I'll say another weird personality quirk. And that is I have a terrible sense of direction, which is a lifelong frustration for me, but this game does not have any sort of map feature. And I find, and it's an, it's, which is fine in in many video games, but games like this one where you have to backtrack a lot, uh, I find to be particularly annoying because I can't remember. I, oh, yeah, I passed that thing that I didn't know was important, but now that I found a new thing, I know it's important, so let me get back there. Was it left here or right here? I think it was left. Oh, no, this isn't the way. And, and I find myself, like, I'm completely taken out of it because I'm just stumbling around trying to figure out how to get back to where I was because I have to backtrack to solve the puzzle. So it's a little bit their fault and a little bit my fault. Like, a, just a map feature would have helped that immensely or creating puzzles that didn't require me to backtrack quite so much uh, in a first person, you know, dark, dimly lit sci-fi environment that all looks the same around every corner. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff to like, I, you know, the, the dealing with the enemies is terrifying and being underpowered is also, you know, pretty effective in creating this tension. But I think games like the alien game that came out last year did a much better job of it. Um, so, you know, for 30 bucks, I think you could probably have some good times, but I, I feel like the, the potential of the game outstrips the reality of the game. What's the uh, story experience like? Because I remember seeing some preview stuff and they were talking about how much like voice acting there is and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Th- did you enjoy that aspect of it? I did. Yeah. I, like I said, I really loved the, the, the beginning of like grounding me in a very real, natural unspectacular world like i'm just this guy right and i wake up in my apartment and 
everything in my apartment is an item that I can pick up and manipulate and you know I, I basically it's basically a ransack simulator at the beginning because it's just like <laughs> I can pick up stuff and throw it across the room and I'm just ransacking my house looking for this item that I need um but I let you know and the 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 voice acting is very natural and very calm and I like that especially when you come in at the beginning and talk to the doctor he's like um you know just like very like oh yeah don't worry about it it's not a big deal it's not like ominous sci-fi setting and then when you do get into the crazy scary sci-fi world there is a lot of story told through voiceover as well and it's effective like you 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 know have these moments of telekinesis where you're sort of hearing voices of the past and there's I don't want to spoil anything but there's voices attributed to things that don't normally have voices and that's really interesting too. So yeah, I think the way the story is conveyed is good. It's just like I go in, I get all the story bits. I, and now I need to figure out how to get out of here. And I'm just sort of stumbling around in video game now, you know, so I'm a little brought out of it. But, um, the other thing that I want to talk about briefly, uh, guys, I know it was destiny, the taken King week and none of us on the show brought it up. Uh, <laughs> but my promise to you, dear listener is that I will play Destiny the Taken King next week uh, and try to get a guest on that has played some of it uh, in exchange for being able to talk about Heroes of the Storm this week. Is that a deal? Is that a deal? Because yeah. I know people get mad at me when I talk about Heroes of the Storm. Uh, but this week, first of all, I played just a ridiculous amount of it. But also, it was the America's Championship. Uh, and I watched. I spent the entire weekend basically watching a stream from Vegas of the uh, America's Championship, The Road to BlizzCon. Heroes of the Storm Championships, and holy moly, was it thrilling and exciting. There was this moment at the very end. So let me just set this up, because I think this is a cool story. This is a story of glory, tale of fail type of situation. So the team to beat in this entire tournament was this team called Tempo Storm. They were the the 800-pound gorilla on the block. They were the the, the bad you know, the team that went 45 and one up to this point, they had only dropped one game matches. Usually are best of three games. They'd only dropped one game in the entire tournament, 45 and one before they got to the finals. Right. And cloud nine is also a very, very good team, but they were a massive underdog coming into the final match. Now the, the, all the other games were best of three. The finals is best of five. Cloud9 takes the first two games back to back. The first game wasn't even close. It was a beatdown. They owned Tempo Storm. The second two games, Tempo Storm kicked it up a notch. Back to back wins games three and four. Now we're down to the decisive final game of the tournament for the for the big prize and the trip to BlizzCon. Final decisive game. It looks like Tempo Storm has just gone into another stratosphere. They can't be beat now. Uh, it is. This is going to be on my favorite map, actually, of of the whole uh, of Heroes of the Storm, which is uh, Black Hearts Bay. So in this map, what you do, it's like this pirate theme thing, and there's various ways to collect these coins, these gold coins. You turn them in to the pirate at the center of the map, and he disappears, and a ghost ship shows up and shoots cannons at your enemy's base. So it's very important to to do that mechanic. And there's a lot of fights right there at that center, at that turn-in point, because you have to uh, click on that pirate, and it takes a while for you to turn in your coins. And if you are attacked at, at any point in that, it'll interrupt you from being able to turn in your coins. Mm. And that's a very powerful mechanic of the map. So my favorite map 
And my favorite hero of all the heroes is this hero named Tyrande, who is this archer that has this awesome stun move, but also has this other move where she shoots an owl that go, can go all the way across the map. So people use it to see what's going on in different areas of the map, but it's also an attack. And one of my favorite things to do is to get an enemy down very close to death, and then they think they've gotten away and run away, and you shoot this very far, like, sniping move where you shoot your owl and it hits them for the last bit of their health. And they didn't think that you could even get to them because it's the only move in the entire game from any of the characters that can go that far. Does it take off, like, a tiny amount of health? Yeah, it's it, it, well, it's a significant amount of health, but it's not like, you know, you have to get them pretty close to death to make it a death a, a kill shot. So right. that's the setup we've got. So we've got, you know, two and two, last game, underdog versus, you know, um, uh, Goliath. And it's going back and forth. Cloud9, the underdog, is actually winning the match, doing really, really well. But Tempo Storm gets to t- toward the end, and they're making a, a significant con- comeback they've leveled up and gotten to the experience to basically be the same it could be anybody's game at this point and one of their heroes their Rhaegar has 16 coins if he turns in that's enough to trigger the the pirate ship and uh cloud nine makes a play for the boss the boss is like this powerful monster that if you can knock it down it will work for you and go attack the enemy it's at the very top of the map so they all go to attack the boss and uh and tempo storm knows they're going there but decides instead of contesting the boss they're just going to use this opportunity to turn in their coins so because he has 16 coins so this Rhaegar goes all by himself and you're watching cloud nine get this boss they they fight 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 the boss finally goes to their side it starts going off and they all know that the that tempo storm is turning in their coins and they start running down toward the center of the map. They don't have any visual on the center of the map. They, they don't know anybody is there. They can't see it. We can see it because we're watching at home. We get visualization of the whole map. The Tarandi player shoots off a, an owl while the Rhaegar player is turning in his coins. His meter is just about to turn them in. And the owl... Out of nowhere, from all the way across the map, hits him at the very last second and prevents him from turning in the coins. Doesn't kill him or anything, but it just stops him to give them enough time to get down there to zone him out. And they completely, like that one moment, won them the game. He didn't know that guy was there. He just shot blindly from the top of the map. And it happened to hit him right as he was a like the second one half of a second more he would have turned those coins in. It was so thrilling to see on my favorite map my favorite character do something that was just like so pro style. It's the equivalent of watching, you know, Steph Curry shoot a three pointer from half court as the last <laughs> you know clock hits zero. It was incredible, and it's like this is why this is a televised sport. Like this, that was. Just as thrilling as anything I've ever seen in real, you know, human being sports. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like clutch moment that you need to sort of, you need to have watched hours of that sport to, or, you know, esports to, to appreciate just how like incredible a moment that is, you know? That's yeah. uh, why I wish I was in the, like any esports like that because clearly like there's just all this like awesome stuff happening but it's just off my radar that's that's unbelievable when that dude fired the 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 owl did he have to like make sure that it was like 
on the right line. Like he was yeah. like, that's, a, that's yeah, awesome. it's this very narrow. It's basically like the equivalent of a snipe shot, right? It's this very <laughs> narrow line that he's shooting just, and he could have been just to the left, just to the right. And if the guy had started turning in his coins just to the left or just to the right, he would have missed him. It just <laughs> all worked out perfectly. And it, it, it was so awesome. And they completely just won the game with that one tiny move because they, they were able to come down, zone them out, and then beat them in a team fight, and and won the game to win the match to beat the beat the heavily favored team and go on to BlizzCon. And it was like you can't script that. It, it, it is. It was. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you for indulging me with that story, Christian. No, there's no. I. It was a fascinating story. It wasn't indulging. <laughs> anyway, I I I I, I several years ago. When Dota and League of Legends were taking off, I was sitting on the sidelines and I kept going, God, I would love to get into one of these games. I feel like that energy and that community just, it seems like a fun thing from the outside looking in. And I love the fact that now I have my game like that and it, it is just as exciting, if not more so than I thought it was going to be. I, I just, I love, I love that I'm good enough at the game that I, I feel like I can compete with anybody and I love playing it and I love watching it and it, it's, it's great. That's, 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 how I feel about, that's how I feel about life, finally. <laughs> oh, really? I, 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 I hope I can someday get that way about life. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, now I have, I have talked a lot. Let's get to more of me talking when we get to tabletop time. Right now. Right now. Hey, before we get to tabletop time, I have to thank our second sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Oh my gosh, Squarespace is the best. I've been using them for years. I have jeffcanada.com was built on Squarespace, housed on Squarespace. Squarespace is the kind of place that you need if you have any reason to be online, if you have any reason to have an online presence, a blog, a portfolio, even a storefront, Squarespace is the place to be. Sites look professional and clear and crisp even if you don't have any programming experience because they have templates that you can use and it's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. There's no coding experience required. You just make the site look gorgeous just the way you want, not like anybody else's site, and it'll work on any device. It's made to fit on any kind of device that you might uh, visit the site with. State-of-the-art techno- state technology powers your site, ensures security and stability, and it's trusted by millions of people on some of the most respected brands in the world. Best of all, Squarespace is not expensive. It starts at just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Even better than that, you can test out Squarespace without even putting in a credit card. They don't even require you to put in a credit card to build a site to test out their tools to see if you like it. And if you do decide you like it, we're going to give you 10% off your first purchase by going to squarespace.com slash DLC and using the promo code Jeff sent me. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Jeff sent me. Get you 10% off. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Check it out. If you have any reason to use uh, the web to create any kind of location, all the sites come with a drag and drop storefront so you can collect payments if you need that. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Promo code Jeff sent me. All one word. Uh, Danny, you have been playing some board games. Tell me what you yeah, been playing. Yeah, I don't. I, I've only really started gotten into board games in the past uh, 
month or so or two months, which so it's sort of happenstance. You guys have this section because I'm actually really interested to hear what you guys have to say. But uh, I, I played a bunch of board games with my girlfriend and some of her, her buddies, and then we basically went down to this board game store in Oakland, like the kind of way I imagine. P- people who don't play games but just bought like an xbox or a playstation and just went in there and was like all right what is there here and like what do we want and what sort of speaks to us so the thing that we like doing i guess more so is 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 cooperative uh, board games we didn't really realize there was that many of them out out there but like there's there's tons of them and i I guess Mm -hmm. it just was like ticket to ride and stuff like that Uh, but the the game that uh, we ended up picking up was uh, dead panic which i've heard is uh it's like a an evolution of Castle Panic, which is one a lot of people right. uh, know about. Um, have, have you played Dead Panic or Castle Panic before? I've played Castle Panic. I have not played Dead Panic yet. So basically, for those who don't know what Castle Panic is as well, I guess, it's, it's basically a, a game where you are uh, you are some... Uh, Dead Panic is the zombie version of Castle Panic. So you're a bunch of zombie uh, apocalypse survivors who are inside of this house, and it's like a grid of, of six uh, uh, sort of... Uh, uh, slots and there are zombies encroaching on the garden outside the house and it's turn-based and that you uh, you've used some of the survivors to like, like take shots at the zombies or to like patch up walls that have been broken down and all the while you're trying to uh, go out and collect parts of this radio that's being dropped either by uh, random events or by zombies who you've killed and they have a part piece of the radio and you're all working together uh, so you can play with like two people, you can have multiple characters, you can play with, I think it's like up to eight or so. Uh, and it's pretty variable in terms of difficulty. You can like put in special, uh, you know, you can change the rule sets a little bit to make it more challenging or less challenging. You basically want to get this radio and then it calls in a car and then you have to get everyone out into the car and then you win if you succeed at that. And it's really fun because it's kind of like everyone's playing for themselves because they want their own character to survive. But then you also have to like work together for the greater good. And it's one of these games where uh, sort of everything can go bad really quickly, kind of like XCOM. I've been playing a lot of XCOM as well this week. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just so you had, you know, you were just a little bit reckless. You're like, oh, we'll send you out to get this thing and that'll be fine. And then suddenly on the next round, like five zombies appear in that part of the map. And then you're like, oh, and it changed. Yeah. Everyone has to change tactics. So it's really good. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. And it's a mark of a good game, whereas that even when we wipe, even when we don't win, uh, it's it's still good fun. Yeah, that, I think that's a, that's the mark, especially of a good cooperative game, is is some of these games are so difficult that you'll play game after game after game before you finally beat it. But, uh, but man, uh, if, if they're well-designed, you're having fun the whole way. Um, I haven't tried Dead Panic, but uh, Castle Panic is great fun. It's, it's the same idea, but you're defending a, a castle from monsters that are marching on it. Um, cool. But I think that I think the zombie theme even makes more sense because it's like, yeah, yeah, that's why you would be. You'd be holed up in this safe zone and trying to prevent the zombies from killing everybody and and hoping help will arrive. Uh, sort so of. Sounds uh, really cool. Yeah, it's, I've enjoyed it a lot. But sort of like speaking to that, like, do you have any other suggestions or do li- the listeners have any other suggestions as to like other like co-op games uh, that are sort of oh, yes. in that realm? Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite co-op game of them all is a game called Pandemic, which is uh, basically you and a group of players are have different roles and you're attempting to stop a the spread of disease across the planet. And you have uh, the ability to you know travel all over the world and different diseases are, are breaking out all over the world. And that that is shown by a series of cubes on different cities. And those diseases will multiply if you don't see to them quickly. 
and you have to research cures and treat different cities uh, before your the whole world is overrun by this global pandemic. Uh, and there's also a dice version of that game where everything is simplified and, and done just with dice instead of the, the cards that the first game had. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic cooperative game. It really is, I think, my favorite co-op game. Uh, another one, and there's there's there are many that I like. Uh, another one is called uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, where you're literally playing as firemen running into a burning house, <laughs> saving. You save kids, you save dogs, you save grandparents, uh, and you try to pull them out. and And it's another one where the fire is spreading through the house as you're going through it. You have to kick down walls and doors you can there's characters that can actually break through walls to to you know get around circumvent the uh <laughs> the fire as it's spreading and you have different cars that you can park on the street around the house that will give you you know an ambulance and a fire truck that will give you certain bonuses uh that's a that's a great co-op game as well that sounds uh, awesome yeah christian we've played a few co-op games haven't we I mean, I think a lot of what we played the first time around were were co-op experiences. It's the gentle lead-in for, um, I think, getting someone interested in a game versus, hey, you've never played this game. Let's play a game together. You lose! You always lose! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people don't like you know, competing with their friends. They don't want that. That's not their idea of a fun evening is, is, you know, beating someone or losing to someone that they have just had dinner with. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, co-op co-op, you know, everybody's fighting for the same goal. Um, so it, uh, those are great games. Um, that's cool. I'll, I'll check them out. Definitely. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Um, is there any other ones that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I picked up Exploding Kittens and Packs, but uh, I, I feel like I haven't really played enough of it to sort of say whether I'm whether I'm into it or not. It's it's definitely it's good fun, but I, I think I need to play it for a little bit longer to to really have an opinion on it. But the one that I'm playing a lot, and I I, I got not sure if this really counts. It sort of straddles the line, I guess. Is have you guys played uh, Quiplash from the Jackbox Crew? No, I've heard about this, but I have not played it. So Quiplash, this is probably more for PC so or for computer games, so apologies for tainting right. your board game selection, but it's kind of a <laughs> party-ish game, you know, so it you know, fits a little bit. Uh, so, the, you know, the Jackbox Party Pack, it's got, like, Fibbage and and um, Drawful and all these, like, really yeah. good uh, party games. So if you haven't picked that up before, definitely recommend it. But the folks who made that have made this new game called Quiplash, which is basically, it's like... Uh, the game tees you up with a bunch of like uh, sentences that, with spaces in them or like a question, like what would be the worst name for like uh, for a, a lawyer, a law, you know, a lawyer company or what's, what would be the worst name for like a, a cemetery or, or like stuff like this. And it, or like, you know, here's a sentence and here's a blank space. And you basically have like, you know, 20 characters to throw in a quip. And then what happens is it asks you a bunch of them and then it throws them up on the screen for everyone else at the party to vote on their favorite one. But I guess sort of one of the biggest um, evolutions of all the Jackbox Party Pack stuff was that people were streaming it a lot. So if you stream this one, people who are watching can actually also vote on their favorite quips. So it's really good fun. Last night, myself and a couple of my mates were playing and we you know started and people were voting on all our you know oh, the room would go one way but the online audience would like pull it in a different way and someone else would win uh, and it's really good and of course there's a family friendly version if you don't want to have all the like crazy you know cards against humanity style you know questions but then there's also the filthy version and the filthy version hilarious as well so we used to uh, play... i definitely recommend that if you got some people 
Oh, is this the same thing as um, Equip It? We used to play a game called Quip It that was big, oh, I don't know, several years ago now. Uh, it, it was released and it had um, it had the guy who played um, Napoleon Dynamite on the cover of the box. And it was one of those... <laughs> It was one of those DVD board games where you pop the DVD in and then we had great fun with it. You would pop the DVD in and it would show you a uh, like an old movie scene or uh, a, a, just a still image that was ridiculous. And it would ask you to caption it or, you know, the movie scene would have like three lines and it would say, what's the next line? And then you all, you know, write down what you think would be fun. We would play it non-competitively. We would just play it like... <laughs> Who can come up with the most ridiculous thing and make everybody laugh? And uh, we had we had great fun with that game. I don't know if that's if it's similar to that. It's uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that. It's like it's like stand up, you know, like practice or something. You're all like right. try, trying to trying yeah. to one up each other. Yeah, I just looked it up on Google Image. Yeah, that totally is Napoleon Dynamite on the box. That's really weird. <laughs> I still have that game on my shelf. Um, I don't know if it's the same thing. It sounds you know vaguely similar, but obviously this. Yeah. Had- all the like sweet Jackbox presentation stuff. You don't record, right? Yeah, Quiplash. Fire People DVD been... player. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off there. Uh, the the people have been um, recommending the Jackbox stuff to me so much. I, I really have to dip in and, and see. Everybody seems to speak very highly of it. Yeah, they're great, 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 easy party games. It's I think it's it's kind of what Christian was speaking to about like you know the last thing you want to do, mate, is is introduce somebody to a game that requires them to suck at it for a while. And I think the one thing about the Jackbox games is that they're pretty low barrier to entry in terms of like depth of these games are. So in that way, like you know, people with a couple of drinks in them late on a Friday night are are pretty you know able to get up to speed pretty quick. Right. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. We do have a parting gift coming to you uh, if you stick around. But I have to thank Danny O'Dwyer for being here. Thanks for putting up with some of our technical issues this morning and and being here, man. I'm such a fan of you and the stuff you do. Uh, it's been really fun having you on the show. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I've been a fan of both these guys for a long time. Long time. Uh, Jeff, like I used to watch all your stuff when I was in Ireland way before I was in the games press as well. So no, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Uh, Awesome. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Well, you, you don't control Skype. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Someday I'll make it good. Uh, <laughs> where can people keep up with you this week if they are so inclined? Uh, at Danny O'Dwyer on Twitter. Uh, same for YouTube and Twitch. And of course, all my stuff goes up on uh, GameSpot.com as well. We have an episode of Lobby tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. Uh, um, and then episode of The Point this week actually will be up on GameSpot on Friday. Uh, and it's from an interview I did with Tony Hawk at E3. And we basically dove into the sort of the, I guess, uh, how Tony Hawk, instead of it being like, or on top of being a very popular video game, how it actually spread skateboarding throughout the world to like countries where it never really broke into, such as where I grew up, Ireland. Uh, so that'll be up on GameSpot on Friday and on YouTube on Sunday as well. I know I brought it up a couple of times, but I really can't speak highly enough about the uh, the point. I just think it's such a great show. It's smart. It's interesting. It makes you think. It's not divisive. It's not ranty. It's not speaking with that you know internet voice that annoys me sometimes. It really is uh, sort of the best parts of the gaming culture, and I really dig it. Um, Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very humbled. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, nothing this week per se. The things coming up are starting in October, uh, October 1st, Sketchmelt at Nerdmelt, October 2nd, Trifecta at UCB 
Sunset, um, October 8th is Improv versus Stand Up at UCB Franklin. Those are all in LA. Um, but I am going to be at, uh, this is farther out, but I'll mention it now because I just booked it. November 19th through November 22nd, I will be at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. So Phoenix, Arizona people. Um, I will be there. I think it's like seven shows Thursday through Sunday. It's uh, the 19th through the 22nd. I will be at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. Mr. Kanata. Oh, by the way, the color blue. I'm totally on Team Jeff and Anthony didn't get it. And um, if people haven't listened to that episode of We Have Concerns, it is a excellent one. That is an episode entitled Blue Period, uh, which came up, went up last week. Uh, yeah, that's a reference to my comedy show, We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, you can also listen to me talk about movies at uh, Slash Film. That's uh, slashfilmcast.com for that. Hope you check those out. Also, you can always follow me on on the uh, the Twitters by uh, checking out at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. Uh, we love getting questions. We didn't have time for a question this week, but uh, I've been getting some great questions. Please keep sending them. The DLC feedback at gmail.com is the place for that. We love it. And also we appreciate those kind iTunes reviews. Uh, those are very helpful indeed. Thank you very much. All right, guys, let's wrap the show up. We got ourselves a parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Danny, have you got a recommendation for the people to get through their week? Sure. Uh, this is gonna. I feel like whenever I'm on a podcast, especially if I'm the only European, I should do something a little bit European. Uh, the Rugby World Cup is on this week, uh, which is like American football, but it's really dope, and you should probably go watch <laughs> that. I feel like I by telling people to watch it, I will imbue them with a sort of a, a, an access to a sport that will make them feel better if not this week then for the rest of their lives you know or it's like what you were saying about um you know getting into to heroes it's like when you're when you find a new sport that you love like i love like f1 and mma and all these weird sports you have it for life and i think this week especially if you're in north america the games are on in the morning and lunchtime so just go find your local english or irish bar wander in they'll probably have the game on Watch some weird sport, uh, uh, have a little drink, and, and uh, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a really easy sport to, to watch, even if you don't really understand the rules. So I'd say that. Yeah, Shang Ololo, or however you pronounce that, in our chat room said that the Japan versus South Africa match was quite something. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't seen the results today. So all I know is we beat Canada. Ireland beat Canada 50 to 7, which was pretty good. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So even for I, I don't know beat, anything was- about. I don't know anything about scoring for rugby, but it seems like a, a whooping. Yeah, they do this thing called bonus points, where you, uh, if 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 you score a bunch more extra tries, you um you get bonus points in the league. So it's it's like a, it's a sport that encourages you to not just beat people, but just beat them into submission. So that's what I like about it as well. I think you get you get 150 points for getting the snitch, right? Is that do I have that correctly? <laughs> hey man, <laughs> Ireland won the the Quidditch World Cup in that. <laughs> That's a, our best sporting uh, success in recent memory was in the Quidditch World Cup. So yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> awesome, uh, Christian. How about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah, I uh, stumbled across a band called O Wander. Their album came out. I believe it's their debut and only album uh, this past month or this month, September. 
And anytime I discover new music, I like to take a little bit of a dive to see like, is this just new to me, which I'm fine with. But I also feel weird being the guy like, I found this new band called Blink-182. And if you have not, <laughs> um, so I always, I always want to know what I'm suggesting. Sometimes I'm late to the party and it's like, oh, hey, um, Led Zeppelin, pretty great, you guys, uh, <laughs> which I'm, I'm fine doing. But oh, wonder, I have found very little about them online. Um, I believe they are British and it's a duo. And um I don't know. I really, really, really like their debut album. It's it's chill. I think put it on with good headphones. There's a rich tapestry of sound, which I know sounds dumb saying it, but if you have a nice pair of cans and you can listen to it, I think they're doing some really cool stuff. I think maybe if you like uh, of Monsters Men, it, it's maybe similar to that. But um, if you have a streaming service of your choice, or go on YouTube, or I don't know, find your place to give it a try. But I've really, really been digging. Oh, wonder. You know, you know for a fact that it's O Wander and not O Wonder. Oh, want? Am I saying Wander or Wonder? Want? I you're wait. you're saying Wander, but I'm wondering if it's I'm wondering if it's Wonder. Oh, okay, now we're playing. Is that, a, on is first. that an, an accent thing that's happening no. there? <laughs> it's I think it's o, two different words. O Wonder. O Wonder. W O N D E R. I was saying Wander. It is not Wander. It is Wonder. O Wonder. <laughs> o Wonder is a different band. <laughs> Probably W O N D E R. Uh, oh, right. wonder is the name of the album. I... Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that would have been, I'm like plugging some band, and it's the, also, though, Led Zeppelin 4, pretty good. Cool. <laughs> uh, now that we cleared that up and made it confusing for everyone, um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll recommend something that's also not that easy to say uh, the movie Sicario. Woo! This is, uh, I think, going to be on my short list for Best Movies of 2015. Uh, this is the new Emily Blunt, Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin film uh, about drug trafficking in, on the border uh, in Juarez, Mexico. And it's brutal. It's tense. It is incredibly powerful. Um, I did a YouTube review of it if you want to check out my YouTube uh, channel. That's youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff with two N's and one T. And um, we'll be talking about it on the Slash Filmcast shortly as well, uh, doing our, our full review with, with spoilers. But you don't want to miss this one. It, it's it's very brutal, but my goodness, it's I likened it to what if Metal Gear Solid was real? Um, it's that's what this is. It's Sweet. it's incredible. Yeah. Sicario is the name of that movie. Uh, all right, guys, that was uh, an awesome episode that we did despite Skype not cooperating, and I appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Danny O'Dwyer, Christian Spicer, all the folks at 5x5, our intrepid chat room that dealt with my horrible robot voice this entire time. Thank you, guys. I apologize for that. Hopefully, we'll get that all worked out by next week. Uh, and thank all I've of you for listening. It, actually, You prefer robot Jeff now, I, I understand. Yeah, I've, got, I've, I've totally... I t- Christian, I totally forgotten he was a robot, did you? I just kept waiting for him to do a sequence of beeps and boops and then take over <laughs> Skype and then take over my computer and I'd be okay with that. What if I what if I say Autobots roll out? Does that sound no? Okay. That's uh, pretty good. Thank you. Um uh, thank you all for listening to this show. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 